are back with another episode of oh hey there i'm jason aponte joined always by my lovely co-host leo leo i can see you our listeners can't but that haircut is looking really good oh th- is that a way for me to intro your haircut um you know i got i got the three on top with the fade but you got the haircut where you know it's long it's, it's a little wavy so that the girls love it but with the fade on top of that so you know shout out your haircut shout out your barber even lined up the beard Whew. shout out to all the barbers out there let me go on record in saying it is harder to keep a barber than it is to keep a friendship or a marriage going i promise you there anyway marriage and stuff aside um leo everybody seems to be getting alternate uniforms black helmets things like that I know you've got some interesting takes. Why aren't the 49ers getting anything like that? And what would you like to see them have? Why haven't they? I don't I don't know. That's that's a weird thing about what's going on with this alternate helmets, uniforms, things. My gut feeling is that they're probably not gonna release it despite the amount of tweets that I tweet about, you know, the 49ers having an alternate helmet. They're clearly not taking any of my suggestions at this point. But it's not like they're trying to keep a traditional view of the 49ers uniform to where this is our staple and we can't go outside of the box. That's not true because we've seen them go with the black pants and black jerseys. So they can obviously expand past the traditional gold helmet, gold jersey, gold pants. Um, I I don't know. I'm kind of stuck on this because I would love to see them bring back the black uniforms with the black helmet. I think that would be sick. Um, that was kind of one of the things that was disconnected. I could care less about if the jersey number was visible from section 300 because if you're a true fan, you you know who's you know running the ball, catching the ball, throwing the ball. Um, so you know where these guys are at. But so I could care less about the jersey number being visible. If you get put a black helmet on those, probably one of the best uniforms in the league, maybe the best alternate uniform in the league. Um, but with the gold helmet, it just gave me like saints vibes with it, with the black uniforms like that. Uh, and then you want to go ahead and put on, say a white helmet. I think that would look sick in the 94 whites. You know what I mean? Like all white, white helmet. I think that would look sick as well. Um, I've seen the red helmet, uh, thrown out there. I'm just not the biggest fan of the red helmet, especially if they want to go like super throwback uniforms to where it's not even a logo on there. Uh, I'm not a big fan of that, but I guess beggars can't be choosers. But the one I'm excited about is say, if you get like a gold helmet on there, remember Baylor has done that before where where they have the metallic chrome gold helmets on there. Uh, I think that'll look super sick in a night game. Maybe, you know, you could throw off a wide receiver just because the light hits the gold helmet slightly. And then next, thing you know, Emmanuel Mosley gets a PBU like, yo, I'll take that. Um, I'm obviously kidding in that spectrum, but like, let's do it. Let's do something. Let it, I, I feel like I'm that meme there just like with the stick saying, do something. Uh, but since we're already closing, you know, coming into training camp, I don't know. I don't know if they're going to do anything at all. Yeah, I don't think they are either. I just want to thank everybody for listening to this because this is going to be Leo and I's last show on here once Rob hears me agree with Leo that the black helmet would look sick 
with the black jerseys. And I think that was the biggest problem with those jerseys. So seems like uh, this was a nice run, but uh, Rob is going to get rid of us for agreeing on that. Also, we do have to admit, not all alternates are good. Let me point to the Chicago Bears orange on orange. That is horrific. It's the great pumpkin, Charlie Brown. Yeah, if I thought maybe, say, they do their orange helmet with the white jerseys. I thought that was kind of the go-to mix there. I thought that that made sense. The orange or orange, I'm not too fan of, especially since it's like a lighter orange. Um, I'm not even a fan of the Denver Broncos orange. I'm and I'm a San Francisco Giants fan. I'm about the orange, but though you know they just look weird on a football field when you see the shells uh, with the jerseys as well. Um, but yeah, let's talk about it. The New Orleans Saints alternate helmet. I think it stinks. That black one. I think it stinks. Um, so if the 49ers choose to do something. I hope it's not that. Right. So alternate uniforms aside, everybody, there are some cool ones out there. I think the Cardinal one is pretty bad. I think the Jets one is actually pretty cool. But, hey, enough about that. Leo, football is afoot. Hmm, don't really like the way I did that. But, hey, we'll run with it. This week, tomorrow, actually, Rookies and Vets report, it is time. Pads are popping. Footballs will be thrown, caught, dropped kicked all of those are you as as excited as i am because i feel like i've already said this before this offseason has been grueling and it still doesn't seem like it's coming to an end but i will say this the national media has finally entered the chat and the conversation because now all of a sudden well they're turning it over to trey lance welcome to the conversation guys you're only four months late but yeah, what do you think, Leo? Like, are you as pumped as I am, man? Because I can't wait to get on this plane and get over there tomorrow. Hell no, I'm not as pumped as you are. Why not? The reason why is because you're going to be in person oh. watching these guys practice. Um, So while I get to see your lovely tweets, your lovely videos, uh, all I could do is just retweet those and like it. But... I'm not sending them out. So, of course, I'm not excited as you are. Like, come on. I'm I'm just going to keep it real on that. But am I excited in general? For sure. Absolutely. I can't wait for Trey Lance to go out there, have a practice where he is 16 of 18, three red zone touchdowns, five for five in the red zone. And then next thing you know, there's a talk on uh, first things first from SF1 or FS1, and they're saying, is Trey Lance, you know, dark horse for MVP this season. The next Patrick after, Mahomes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like, and then after that, they were basically just n- calling him a bust, essentially saying that Jimmy Garoppolo needs to be there. Um, so, yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited for what Trey Lance does. Um, you know, Brad Graham of the SF Niners is going to love this, but I'm excited what the offensive line is going to look like. Uh, we obviously know the defensive line is talented, so they're going to be tested. Is Mike McGlinchey going to be, you know, healthy? Uh, do I don't expect him to do every single participate in every single activity with the offensive line, but I'm interested to see what his progress is in terms of all of a sudden, you know, we're a couple weeks in and now McGlinchey's a full participant. That would be a huge victory for the 49ers. Um, and then obviously with the inside, who's that left guard? Is Aaron Banks just running it away from it? Is there like no step back from Tomlinson, you know, we are, 
we're obviously going to turn it that way, even though, you know, even if it's a small step back. Uh, Jake Brendel at center, is he looking really good? Like, I'm interested in what the storylines are going to be made up of. And what excites me the most, though, like all joking aside, is that you're going to be there. Because if we say Media Fluffer 1 said this and Media Fluffer 2 is aligning with the same topic, I could be like, yo, Jay, like, is this real? Is this true? Does this have legs? And you'd be like, no, nah, they're just fluffing. So that's what I'm excited about. Well, you're too kind, man. And yeah, it's going to suck that you weren't there because last year we were able to cover the joint practices. You had a tweet go viral, the interception in the red zone. That was really cool, man. And yeah, this is a really fun time. But let's just start with what's going on with the quarterback. Okay, it's Trey Lance. We know. He's going to be taking all the quarterback one reps. Leo, quick prediction. What happens with Jimmy Garoppolo? Is he excused or does he show up? I think I think you're going to excuse him if you're the franchise. Um, at this point, Debo Samuel understands it's a business, even though he asked for a trade request and he's going to have to show up or he's going to get fined. Um, like, Debo, you requested a trade, so you understand the business. This is part of our business. We're going to excuse Jimmy Garoppolo. Because we're fully moving forward with Trey Lance. Okay, yeah, I, I'm I'm with you on that. I think uh, for sure that they're going to excuse him. Um, there is a world where Jimmy Garoppolo says, "I don't care about being excused. I'm going to be here just to make things awkward." But that would be a complete shift in his demeanor. I don't think he'd do that. They find him just for showing for up. showing up. You know that that would be <laughs> that would be quite the storyline. He showed up. Find him. No, uh, <laughs> I, I think it's it, it's in the best interest to do that. You continue the rehab. You continue to look out for your trade requests and everything as well. So you keep that ball rolling, and you don't have the guy there, which would cause more chatter, not with the team as much as it would the media. Because if he has a so-so day, well, what do you guys? And you have to ask people because now remember, locker room has press now. They're getting back to that. You can walk into the locker room again. COVID protocols are out the window. So, yeah, it's just – it's going to be tough, uh, you know, to see him go there. And it, it would be tough for me to see him force his way in there because it just doesn't seem like the guy he is. Um, say what you want. The guy doesn't cause distractions with his mouth or or say anything crazy. And he seems to say all the right things. And I think that that would be a complete shift in his demeanor. So I, I don't expect him to be there either. Let's shift to position battles. You mentioned the O-line. Let's probably leave that one for last. There's plenty of things on this team that need to be sorted out. I think we know who the wide receivers are. Running back, you kind of understand that it's going to be Elijah Mitchell, TDP, maybe a little bit of Trey Sermon. Who knows? I think Jeff Wilson has is, is been pegged as number two so far as well, too. So he's in the mix as well. I think this is more about what's going to happen with Jermichael Hasty uh, making this team. But I want to talk about, let's start nickel corner. And, you know, K1 Williams moves on to Denver, was absolutely fantastic as a 49er, very good with his run fits, his blitz, his blitzes were well-timed, he, he knows what he's doing. And I think a lot of people just kind of believe, well, you know, he's got to be able to cover if he's going to play the slot, whoever it is. The run fits are important, knowing your zones, all that stuff is important. And I think you've got to be able to get your helmet dirty and get in there and and play play run defense. So I think that's a portion that's kind of overlooked at times right now we would say that Darquise Denard would probably be the leader in the clubhouse right now Leo what do you what do you foresee does it does Denard just stay there or does Samuel Womack make some noise would there be a shift from somebody from the outside in what do you think I think Samuel Womack is definitely going to make some noise here um 
we've seen 49ers kind of not start off the season with their rookies. So I'm going to say he probably doesn't start week one, unless they had to, of course, due to an injury. Um, but these late round picks, like even George Kittle wasn't, you know, week one uh, out there, his rookie season, it was Garrett Selleck. Remember, that was the whole Selleck time era and everything like that. Uh, so these rookies aren't immediately out there unless there's an injury. Uh, so th that's what I'm going to see with Womack. I think he'll start eventually for this team, but it's got to be Darkeese Denard. Jason Brett, I, I would love for what that could be when you, if you can have a Verrett, Mosley, and um charizard combo i'm just kidding he's not his name's not charizard <laughs> charvarius ward uh combo there is your top three corners i think that would be fantastic you could go up with anybody in the nfl in terms of cornerback starting corners in the league and i'm calling the nickel corner a starter because it's 70 percent of the defensive snaps uh but i think the reality of the story is going to be darkies denard to start the season and the storyline i'm going to be looking for is to see if Denard is actually holding that up, if he's maintaining that in practice, if he's getting his hands on a couple of balls, or if it's a, if he gives up a reception, is it a close airtight window type of reception to where you're like, man, that was great coverage by Denard. It was just a perfect ball by Trey Lance or maybe, you know, Nate Sudfeld. Uh, so that's what I'm interested in seeing Denard. If he's at the right place at the right time, I think that's all you can ask from your nickel corner. Because these guys are going to give up receptions. Let's keep in mind, like, K1 Williams is great. One of the best in the league during his run with the 49ers. But the catch percentage allowed was still at 75%. It's not like an outside corner. Now I'm not saying that, that he was bad in coverage. No, like, a lot of those completions get done on third and, say, third and eight. It's a six-yard completion. But K1 takes them down immediately. Now it's not. So, yes, he gave up the reception but he's not giving up a first down so i want to see if dark darkies denard can maintain that when they run offense during these drills and they're trying to get to the first down if it's a third and eight is he getting the tackle immediately if the ball's thrown in front of the sticks or or is it not so um i guess that's going to be more so a tale to test in the preseason than live practices yeah and i think that a lot of what Kyle Shanahan does is lean on veterans. Fun fact also, Darquise Denard and Jason Verrett went back-to-back -back in the same draft class. That's pretty funny now that they're both on the same team. I didn't know that until I actually had to look that up. But it seems like, yes, last year, Diamondo Lenore started on the outside. And that didn't seem like something that is typical for Kyle. Kyle likes his veterans. That's why Alex Mack's there. That's why, you know, everybody wanted to see Jalen Moore at right tackle. Well, you're going to get Tom Compton and you're going to like it. And a lot of times, you know, you stick with Josh Norman. Other, other, other opportunities happen, and it depends. Sometimes rookies don't necessarily get that first shot. And I think that Denard is going to have every opportunity here, especially with his draft grade, his draft pedigree, and the veteran status. And I just think that Kyle's going to stick with that. Now how things play out. Is going to be completely different, and that's what's going to be. That's what camp's going to be for. It's funny because Samuel Womack, his athletic profile and his uh, measurables are just about the same as Kwan Williams, and it seems like they were intent on replacing him with a guy of the future who has the same sort of, I guess, athleticism. 
and they've done that before with other positions. So I, I don't know what's going to happen, but it does seem like Denard has a leg up. And if you know anything about Kyle Shanahan, I would bet on the veteran being there and being the guy week one unless he falls off a cliff or unfortunately gets injured. Let's move on. Leo, I think another thing that is kind of getting... Did, hold on. What? Are we going to just excuse that? Did you just pull a Kyle Shanahan there? I can't guarantee that anybody in the world will be alive Sunday. Unless he falls off a cliff. Did you just channel your inner Kyle Shanahan there? Hey, only Shans channels its way through me. I, I don't I don't know. Sometimes it just it just happens and it's just organic like that. That's how you know Coach and I are are one. Here's the thing, Leo. A lot of people are talking about, you know, obviously offensive line. What's gonna happen to strong safety? What's gonna happen at nickel corner? But I think what's gonna be really interesting to watch is what happens to that other position on the edge across from Nick Bosa. Now we saw later on in the year when when the defense heated up. A great rotation and fresh legs. The the motor kept running. Omenahue, uh pops up. Jordan Willis gets in there a little bit. Um, and then one really big thing that I think that people are, are forgetting is Eric Armstead. If there's a steady outside presence with Nick Bosa, Eric Armstead gets to eat inside. There's not many guards that can guard that man. So that's something that would be huge. I mean, obviously, Eric Armstead can be bounced around. That's what makes him so good is that he's flexible. But if you keep him inside and he gets a ton of reps inside, he could really have a season that looked a lot like that stretch run and playoff run because he was downright dominant um, in those games. So Drake Jackson gets drafted. There's still other guys there. What do you think happens initially with that edge spot across from Nick Bosa? I think the guy I have my eye on is, is Samson Ebucon. He came on late once he got comfortable within the system because let's remember, he switched styles and schemes coming from the Rams to the 49ers. They don't run the same defense, but once he got comfortable, maybe it's, you know, trusting the scheme as well. Like that's a big part of it is trust within, within a, a process. And it, it kind of just blows my mind. When some 49er fans were like, are they going to cut Samson Ebicon to save six and a half million dollars in cap space? Uh, I was like, no way. Someone of this production of what he did in the second half of the season, there's no way you could move on from him. And the 49ers showed that because he's still on this team. Um, in the final eight games, including the playoffs, Nick Bosa had nine sacks and 38 pressures. Ebicon had eight sacks and 31 pressures. Like, Obviously, Bosa is higher, but we're talking about just marginal fractions of, of the difference here. And if you have that from someone who's not Nick Bosa on the other side, like, come on, give me that. Give me that. And it's not like he's, he gets blown away in run defense as well. Like, he holds his own. This is guy that runs a 4-5 off the edge. Um, Ebicon is... There's a lot of untapped potential, and that's why the 49ers brought him in from L.A. originally last season. So he's someone that I'm I'm hoping to see, you know, like go ball out. Go get yourself a bag because he's a free agent after this year. It's a It was a two-year deal he signed. So go get yourself a bag. Go go ball out. Go take advantage of having Nick Bosa on the other side. Go take advantage of being able to get healthy reps in. Breathe did whelps in to, to where – you can go put in a Drake Jackson. He could catch his breath and then come in at full force. Take advantage of that. Go make yourself some money. 
And the reason why, if you go, Leo, why would you tell another player to like go make himself some money? That means he's going to go somewhere else. Like that means he balled out. Like you're thinking about the, you know, the future that you can't control. Obviously I can't control if he has a good season, but if, if it was my choice, he balls out now when the 49ers can't afford him. Cause we've seen, free agency be wild and players not have a crazy big production and then still get paid a la Christian Kirk. So if you don't know what's going to happen with Samson Ebicon, if he can go out there and give me a 10 sack season, whoo, with Nick Boson, whoo, come on. Yeah. And come on. And I think a lot of people forget that as well too, about Ebicon. And the thing about Drake Jackson is everybody's high on what he can do, but right now he's probably more suited for a, passing down only D4 type of role, turbo package type guy. He has a lot to improve in terms of run defense. He has a lot to improve in the bag that he has of tricks to get himself to the quarterback. But for now, if they could have somebody who is good in run support like Ebukam, who also offers what he does well with the rushing of the quarterback, it allows Drake Jackson to, to ease himself in. And he's he'll end up being another set of fresh legs, and they can use him on obvious passing downs to play to his strengths. You you want the guy to work on certain things, but for now, while he's working through that, put him in the best position to win, and those are his best positions to win. And I think that the 49ers are going to use that fresh leg mentality. I mean, Kerry Hyder's still here. It's going to be very interesting. There's going to be some people that are good football players that aren't going to make this roster, and not because they're not good. Because there's a certain number that you've got to get under. So, I mean, Chris Kosarik, what this front office does so well, for as much stuff as everybody complains about, is they draft guys with good – I mean, they sign guys with good traits who were out of draft class. They bet on those traits, and Chris Kosarik gets the most out of them. So it's going to be interesting to see how this shakes out, who's going to get the lion's share of snaps. Ebukam's a good answer, Leo. I appreciate that. And, yeah, you know, Drake Jackson's going to have his shot, but he's going to have to earn an every-down role – if he if he improves his run defense in that way. So, hot button issue. We talked about it last episode. Strong safety. What's going to happen here going forward? It sounds like Tyler Hufanga is going to be the guy. Tavares Moore's there, George Odom's there. I I think it's him. I think it's I think it's Hufanga. And I've circled back to this because I want to get something out before I pass it to you, Leo. There are so many ways that guys win in this league. Some win with athleticism. Some win with anticipation and playing instinctually. And some guys can put both together. But there is no right or wrong way to succeed, right, at strong safety or whatever position. And I think that's what a lot of people get hung up on with Hufanga. Well, he's not athletically gifted. and Well, there's guys who are fast that can't cover. There's guys who are, aren't necessarily football fast or a four, run a 4-3 but they're in the right place at the right time and they play downhill and they play fast and they understand what they need to do. They understand what offenses are trying to do to them. I think that's what Hufanga has to do a little bit more. And I think that there's no reason to think that he can't, but one thing that keeps sticking out in my mind is the job that D'Amico Ryans did down the stretch last year. He was putting on masterclass after masterclass of getting the most out of every single player and putting them all in position to win. Think about this, the Cincinnati Bengals game. 49ers got to have it on the road. Embry Thomas's first start. Sure, Embry Thomas gave up catches, but what D'Amico Ryans did so well in terms of 
putting him in zone situations, not leaving him out to dry, understanding his limitations, and also putting him in a position to build confidence, it all just continued to get better as the year went on. And and I swear, if you guys haven't, Jordan Elliott of Niners Nation talked about it. He's been sending out film clips. He's actually written about it. I implore you guys to check that check those out. But the masterclass he put on against the Packers in the divisional playoffs. I'm going to set the scene for you. <laughs> one of the biggest plays and one of the biggest drives of the game is in the fourth quarter. Aaron Rodgers has the ball. And Dante Johnson is covering Devontae Adams one-on-one with Tarano Hufanga up top. And yet, the ball gets thrown to them, but Dante Johnson and Hufanga squeezed the route so well that there was no place for that ball to go, and it lands incomplete. And D'Amico Ryans did this with Josh Norman at times, with other secondary members, playing to their strengths. So I think that's the one thing that I wanted to get out about Tarano Hufanga. Not only is Jimmy Ward going to help him on the back end and, and clean up so many, whatever it is, not so many, clean up whatever it is that, that's gone wrong on the play. But I think D'Amico Ryans knows. You can put him in single high. That'll, that'll keep him away from having to really cover the entire field. If you want to do two high looks, that's where he has to understand the route concept and how he's being attacked. But I think D'Amico Ryans is going to know where to put him and against which opponents. That's the other thing that I found fascinating about D'Amico Ryans. There was never any cookie-cutter way that he was running things, and I think everything changed depending on the personnel he was facing. So if it's Chase, T. Higgins, and Tyler Boyd, okay, we're not going to run that much man. We're going to try and cover them this way. The confusion that Aaron Rodgers had in the divisional game was the shading of which guy was coming over for Devontae Adams. He didn't even know. Was it coming from the top? Was it coming from the bottom? They did such good, such a good job of disguising that. So with Hufanga, yeah, sure, the concerns are there. But I'm starting to talk myself into the fact that I think that the kid can can be very steady to start because D'Amico Ryans is going to put him in position to win. Sorry for being long-winded with that. No, nah, anytime we could get long-winded, Jay, that's always a win. So <laughs> with Hufanga, it's a lot of people talk about, say, his his speed isn't you know, four, three, four, four type of safety, but let's not act like he's not athletic. Like we've seen, we've seen video of this guy jumping over somebody on a basketball court and dunking the basketball. That's not easy to do. I'm six feet tall and that's not easy to do. Um, when I was 50 pounds less, I was able to scrape the ball over, but, um, Hufanga is definitely athletic in what he does. Uh, He's absolutely, in my mind, going to be the starter. And, and it's his job to lose, and I just don't see him losing it in camp. Out of all people, Grant Cohn was saying that that Hufanga was a standout. So if Grant Cohn's giving you kudos, that means you're doing something well. Uh, so with, with Hufanga, you have Jimmy Ward saying they're the best duo in the league. Obviously, any player of Jimmy Ward's confidence is going to say that. But if he was not going to be the starter and it was up in limbo, I don't think that's something Jimmy Ward would say. Uh, who it's And when I say I don't see him losing this, because one thing Hufanga has shown since becoming a 49er is work ethic. Last training camp, you were there. He was the first one he out was every single day. First one out on the field. Like this guy works. He works and he works and he works. And the fact that this opportunity is now available, you don't have a Jaquaski tart in front of you blocking the starting job. Although I do believe 
Tart earned it. So there was no reason for for anybody else to starting outside of Tart. But Tart's not here anymore. It's Hufanga's job, and he's not going to lose it. And this is very big in player development that you were talking about. D'Amico Ryans. Our concerns is how, like, is he going to be able to adjust being high safety in the NFL? Is he going to be able to adjust to that? Because a lot of his play styles, instincts, 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 more than, you know, cover, uh, closing a gap type of speed. That, that's not the player he is. Um, so, but if we're out there and Hufanga gives up like a few deep, deep passes in high safety, you know, he just can't make, make up the difference. A defense coordinator like D'Amico Ryans is going to make that adjustment. He's just not going to leave him out on an island. And that's one thing you got to appreciate about this coaching staff. Like, we give them their flowers because it's, like, they deserve it. Chris Kosarek, Kyle Shanahan, Mike McDaniels when he was here. Like, they deserve their flowers. This is a really good coaching staff. I'm interested to see some of the other guys develop as coaches, like a Leonard Hakerson with as a wide receiver coach. So um, that's what makes me excited is just, like, I know this guy's hungry. I know he's athletic enough to do it despite not running a 4-3 like Tarverius Moore. We've seen Tarverius Moore in there. The speed doesn't always, you know, do justice. He gave up seven touchdowns in like eight games. Like, speed doesn't always do justice. So, give me Hufanga. You know, I've been critical of him enough just because I maybe I exaggerate too much about the, the plays where he gave up, you know, the touchdowns and things like that. It, I think it's time for someone like myself to appreciate what he does more for this team because he's a hell of a player. He's a hell of a player, and I think he's going to be really—he's going to be really good. Yeah, and I think that if one thing—the message that I have right now for the 49ers is and 49ers fans—is this: enjoy D'Amico Ryan's while he's here because he's gone next year. He's going to be somebody's head coach. So yeah, it's—it's it's just so. It's so crazy to see his ascension from last year, especially after week three when everybody was all up in arms. Well, what's D'Amico doing? Well, I think he called the right thing. Some of the guys were out of position, and they were rookies. You know, Lenore was, uh, you know, at the end of that Packers game. So it's just incredible how, you know, as much as we talk about, well, they get this much out of this player, they get this out of that, they basically have like a farm system of coaches, I mean, Robert Sala gets a head coaching job. Mike McDaniel gets a head coaching job. And for sure, next year, D'Amico Ryans is getting a head coaching job. All right, Leo, we've wasted enough time. Everybody's here to hear this. Offensive line. I'm going to let you go. You tell me your thoughts, the things that you are certain of, like Trent Williams, the things that you're not as certain of, you're not as certain of, and what are you concerned about? So, obviously, Trent Williams, like, just chalk it up. That's a dub. I think Drake Jake Brendel is going to be the center. Um, Brunskill is going to be the right guard. Left guard, what I want to see is Aaron Banks run away with it. I don't want to see uh, he had a good day. He had a bad day. He had a decent day. He was okay. Uh, he had another good day. Well, he had another bad day. Like I want to see consistency with a guy like Aaron Banks. Had a whole season to redshirt, essentially. 
he had a whole season to watch a guy like Lincoln Tomlinson come in, do his work, see how he goes about his business, and move on. Um, now, I know it wasn't his decision to be drafted in the second round, but the 49ers took him there. So you want the player to develop at that level. Um, you want to get your return on investment. So with Aaron Banks, I want to like for a guy that's second round pick that has a potential he does coming out of Notre Dame. There should not be a competition for left guard. He should be able to run away with it. And that's what I want to see from a guy like Aaron Banks. Don't let anybody else, you know, go out there and, and give themselves an opportunity. Take it. This is your time. Take it. And the other thing I'm interested in is seeing the progress of Mike McGlinchey. I, I understand he's cleared. He's healthy. I want to see the progress of him. I want to see him get reps. Everyone wants to talk about he's a hell of a run blocker, but his pass blocking, eh, you know, you just going to have to live with it. I hope he's healthy enough to get to, get to a point where he can start doing some one-on-ones with Nick Bosa. Do some one-on-ones with Samson Ebucons. Get him prepared for the season and not just basically sit out the whole offseason and then come week one. Um, if that is the case, like, whatever makes him healthy come week one, <laughs> obviously. But if he's able into a point to where he could have these one-on-one reps, I wanna, I'm want i interested to see his progress, his recovery timeline, I should say. I'm more interested in that. Because if his timeline is shorter, is slimmed down, that means he's going to be able to get some opportunity to have those one-on-one reps. I understand that timeline is out of McGlinchey's control, but I'm interested to see how that is framed out um, because they absolutely need him to start this season week one with Trey Lance at quarterback. Yeah, I agree. But let me start with Aaron Banks. I think what a lot of people are forgetting too about this transition to Trey Lance was maybe Aaron Banks was part of the plan for when Trey Lance starts. And one more thing that kind of is being lost is, I think that there's not going to be a complete shift to it, but the new wrinkle this season for running the football would be inside zone because of what Anthony Lynn brings. And I think Aaron Banks fits that. I think it fits with him, Trey, and dare I say, gasp, Trey Sermon as well too. I think that a little bit of what happened with Trey Sermon has something to do with something that either they're not telling us or something that happened in-house in terms of, you know, how you get in the doghouse, whether you're late to a meeting or something like that, and they don't have to tell people, which is good, handle it internally. But Trey Sermon is much more suited for inside zone. I think Aaron Banks fits that a lot more. So, and he's kicking over to his actual position. Like he played left guard in college. So that's another good thing. Also, by the way, it doesn't hurt to have the best left tackle in the world to the left of you, helping you out with, with certain things as well too. So I, I think that the transition is going to go a little bit smoother than people think in that way, because of the way that they are going to run the football this year. Sure. It'll be outside zone much more than it will be, but I think the new wrinkle will be inside zone with Anthony Lynn coming in now with Mike McDaniel out. Now, as far as Mike McGlinchey goes, it's pretty funny how, you know, the narrative has gotten a little too loud. I think last last episode I, I laid out the the pressure stats and, and how effective Mike McGlinchey was in pass blocking last year. But it's pretty funny. This team went to the NFC Championship game with Tom Compton starting at right tackle. You're telling me that Mike McGlinchey can't be better than that? I mean, and that's no disrespect to Tom Compton. And I know you're probably listening and saying, well, that's not a high bar to clear. But then why are you so intent on making Mike McGlinchey an all-pro 
when really all he has to do is probably just be himself this year and hope that Trey Lance can avoid certain sacks with his legs. But I, the numbers don't bear out this guy who's just getting whipped every single time. That's actually Tom Compton. That's not Mike McGlinchey. So with Mike McGlinchey, I think that the concerns are less about the pass blocking, in my opinion, than what does this recovery timeline look like? When can he be back to 100% Mike? And what is 85% of Mike or 90% of Mike, maybe even 75% of Mike look like when he's getting his strength back? He talked at length with uh, with our buddy Brad uh, from the SF Niners about injuring himself in training camp and then tearing that quad that that tendon off of the bone or something like that later on, which he said was was pretty expected. That was interesting as well too. That to say that the did did he say that the doctor said that's what eventually was going to happen? Like were you just setting him up to fail, or was like was that just there was nothing you could do to stop that? So in terms of the offensive line, we've got two constants. Derek, uh, Derek, Daniel Brunskill, Trent Williams. We don't know where Drake, Jake Brendel is. And I think we need to find out very fast because center is such a vital position to this offense and to the success of this team. But I'm less worried about Mike McGlinchey because it's not a high bar to clear in terms of what he needs to do production wise because of Tom Compton, who actually played very admirably. And the same praise that I heaped on D'Amico Ryan's, I'm going to heap on Kyle Shanahan because Kyle Shanahan put Tom Compton in all of the right spots for him to be the highest graded run blocking offensive tackle in the game. Shout out to UPFF. That's a nice little stat that uh, fits my narrative, but Kyle is going to do the same thing. He's not just going to have Mike out on the Island. And one thing that I feel like gets overlooked is Brunskill and McGlinchey are very good at communicating and passing off stunts. And that has less to do with athleticism, but understanding what your, what your, your running mate is going to do, what happens, what they're trying to do. And I think they're very good at that. So a lot of these things will be avoided as well, too, because Trey's going to move uh, with his legs. He's not going to stand in the pocket like Jimmy Garoppolo would. But it's going to be very interesting. I'm much more, I guess I don't want to say concerned, but my eyes are going to be on center much more because I think I can make the case that Aaron Banks should be fine. And I know what Brunskill is. I know what McGlinchey is, and we know what Trent is. So I think it's center. I think it's Jake Brendel is, is the key to all of this. If Jake Brendel can offer Weston Richburg-like production, because I don't, I don't think it's fair to automatically think he's going to be Alex Mack, I think the 49ers are going to be in great shape. And sure, it's July 25th. I'm talking optimistic. I'm being optimistic. Everybody's in the best shape of their life. This is best shape of your life season. But at the same time, Brendel has to show a little bit more, and he has to at least be Western Richburg. That would keep this offense in a good spot for the young quarterback. And I think a lot of people are worried about offensive line because this is the franchise going forward. This isn't just a guy that they're going to have for one year. You want to keep him upright, and you want him to build confidence because there's plenty of guys who – have all the tools, but once they keep getting hit, keep getting hit, that could be detrimental. So I think that's what people are worried about when it comes to that. Now, the burning question, Leo, we're going to get back to quarterbacks. This Nate Sudfeld, Trey Lance controversy. I'm just joking. Um, I, I think we've covered everything, Leo, unless there's something here that I'm missing or something else that you want to talk about in terms of what you're excited for for training camp. I, I think we touched about it. Also, I, I guess the deep threat. Like, okay. You know, I'm I'm interested to see that. Like, how much is Brandon you are you going to be utilized as a deep threat? How much run is Danny Gray gonna get in three wide receiver sets? 
Um, where is he going to be in a lot of his deep targets? Is he going to line up primarily from the slot outside? Um, how are those deep, you know, those deep routes going to work out with Danny Gray? It's some of the other speedsters that the 49ers added to this team. Um, I think they just added a kid out of Oklahoma State yesterday, if I'm not mistaken. So it's uh, that's where I'm intrigued as well. Is like who's going to be Trey Lance's deep threat? Who's Trey Lance going to get comfortable with? Uh, who's going to be that wide receiver that we're gonna, just going to talk about as the next Antonio Brown, as we said with Trent Shurfield last last offseason? I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> but it's who's going to be that guy? Um, and how is that connection going to work with Brandon Ayuk? Because, you know, we've said a bunch of times, Brandon Ayuk and, and Trey Lance, their deep ball, you know, it's going to be interesting. Like, how much are they going to complete? Remember last year during the team practice at the stadium, uh, Ayuk beat Diamador Lenore on a fade route down the sideline for a touchdown. Um, are they going to be able to keep that same energy going? Um, and then uh, the other obvious storylines is when does Debo Samuel and Nick Bosa happen in terms of their contract extensions? Yep. And I think there's one guy that I think is going to be that standout from not out of nowhere, but I think we all expect Debo, Ayuk, Juwan Jennings. Those guys are solidified. We know. I think it's Ray Ray McLeod. And I think it's because of what Kyle Shanahan said about Ray Ray McLeod. Because I think everybody assumed, well, special teams guy, yeah, he's that. But he talked about, we brought Ray Ray McLeod here because of what we saw as a receiver. We just He just happened to be a special teams guy. So is that a guy that maybe can give Debo a breather and you want to throw a screen and is dynamic like that in that way, yards after the catch? Who knows? But I think I'm interested to see that. I think that if I had to peg a guy out of nowhere to, like like a Trent Sherfield, um, you know, be a training camp warrior, um, I think it's going to be Ray Ray McLeod, and, and that's where I'll go with it. And as far as the deep threat, I think the deep threat's Ayuk. And I think we're going to see that a lot more um, just based on the report that the, those two have. Again, you know, uh, I don't have to reiterate my hot take, but I have – Ayuk pegged for a very, very big season, his best yet. So, Leo, if that's all, I think we can wrap it up. And I, dude, I'm, I'm just, I'm so jacked to actually start talking about actual football, not hypotheticals. Start evaluating players, start evaluating how they look, having conversations with people that are there so we can bounce ideas off of each other, man. And, and Leo, I'm not trying to rub it in your face. I promise. I'm not, uh, you know, I'm just, I'm just excited, man. Like to get on the plane tomorrow while the guys report and then Wednesday be there for the first practice, man, it's just like, it, it feels like football is back and it's going to fly by and it's, it's about damn time. It's about damn time. No, nah, like I said, you know, I was just messing with you, having you there in camp, someone I trust, someone's evaluation that I absolutely trust is going to be a blessing for me because there's going to be so many storylines coming out and I could just give you a quick call or text and be like, yo, is this valid? So, you know, that that's what I'm excited about. It's a blessing to be able to have a network of people that, that you could actually validate storylines to. And that's what I'm excited for. Like, let's go. We're almost there. We're almost there. Come on, man. Absolutely. So we're going to wrap this one up. Make sure that you guys are following Niners Nation. You're subscribed to their YouTube channel. You're, you're subscribed anywhere that you get your audio podcasts. So many great content creators there so much great content is going to be coming out this week you don't want to miss any of it so you can stay in tune with everything for jason for leo we'll talk to you soon